As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute. And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to another Lazen Powers. I'm Mark Lazarus of The Athletic, joined by Scott Powers, also of The Athletic. Uh, I'm back from Canada, and uh, Scott, things didn't go well. No, they did not. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. It feels like we haven't talked in a long time. Yeah, Ben Pope filled in for you last week as the uh, what was the flu ravaged your household yeah. for a little while there. That sounded lots of fun. Um, I was eating goulash at the time. Did you prefer Ben over me? Uh, I, you know, it was nice. It was nice to talk to uh, talk a little shop and stuff like that. But no, I missed uh, the dulcet tones of your voice. I missed your gracious presence, and I missed your infinite knowledge of hockey. Oh God, um, it's set a very high bar now. <laughs> so yeah, um, so the Hawks went one and four on this trip. Um, they played a terrific game in Vancouver and lost. Uh, they played a, a sloppy but terrific game in Calgary and won. And every other game, they, they they pretty much had a lead in or had a chance in, and they just just kind of couldn't pull it off. And now they're in pretty dire straits. We're a week out from the deadline, and um, I don't I don't know what they're going to do, Scott. Yeah, it's you know you look at the standings now, and it's not the end of the world, but. You had a chance to take care of business, right? Like you, you, you had a chance to knock off Winnipeg twice, and uh, you had all these teams ahead of you, and you just you failed to take this opportunity. Um, you know what they they got to what four games of five above five hundred. Now they're back to one, and uh, I don't. know, You just had this grand opportunity, and think you know I'm, I'm not like everyone's like killing them right now, and 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 that's fine. You can feel however you want, but like you look at the standings, it's not 
completely over with. Obviously, you have to jump over a lot of teams, and they do have some games in hand. But it was just there was this opportunity. Like you're playing well, you have it all set up for you, and then you come out and and uh, like you said, you're you're in every game, but you just, you just don't complete it. And um, I I think if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to come down to the stretch where you had such a grand opportunity and you just let it slip through your fingers. It feels a lot like last year when they got themselves back into it. They they won that wild game in Detroit and were in a playoff spot briefly. And then that huge weekend, two home games against Colorado and Dallas, the two teams they were really fighting for. Uh, and they played pretty well in those games, and they just couldn't pull them out, though. They just don't have that that little extra that, that puts you over the top in those games. They lost both those games and they were never really in it again. And that feel, and I, I agree with you. Like, you know, I, I understand fans are irate and they're up in arms and they're, they're a lot of them are giving up on the season. You look at the standings and there's still, you know, what uh, 25, 30 games left. It's, it's, it's hardly inconceivable that they could come back into this thing. They have the games in hand. They're only a few games back. Uh, th- it's not over yet, but they just made things so much more difficult on themselves. They have to do so well now down the stretch. Um, and Stan Bowman has some serious decisions to make. Does he really think that they can still pull something out here, or is the smart thing to start selling off pieces and looking ahead? You look at the just going back to the standings a little bit. You you look at the last ten for all these teams, and Calgary's four, four five, and one. Arizona's three, four, and three. Nashville's actually playing well. They're seven, three, and zero. Oh, but you know, Winnipeg's five, four, and one. Minnesota's five, four, and one. And so it, it's opened up this window. Um, but but it's still like you're, you're six points out of that. Top wild card, you're also six points, you know, five points from being at, you know, Anaheim at the bottom. So it, it's, it's again, it's that parity. But um, you, you had you had that sit down conversation with Stan in, in Calgary, and um, you know, I tweeted out that no one's ever going to be happy with his answers. But I thought he was pretty honest about what, how he saw things going, and you know, where where things were at. And I don't think the Blackhawks are making his job easier because I think either you'd be want to want to be right near that wild card or you'd like to be closer to LA where you're completely out of it and I think it makes the picture a little bit clearer because um like like you asked them you know it's if you start trading pieces off are, are you worried about offending your, your veterans your core guys who who are here to still win and um I, I think he has to navigate there here in this next week because any piece that you that you do eliminate from this team you're, you're certainly going to take away from their chances to win just because there's such a, a thin margin for this team to you know to be victorious yeah i feel you know i've talked to just about every blackhawks veteran core guy over the the course of this trip and and and, and the trip in minnesota the week before um kind of get trying try to like you know gently probe and figure out just how much they want to do it now and how impatient they're getting and uh, Jonathan Taves in Minnesota pretty much told me, he's like, yeah, we, you know, you want your team to be a buyer. You want to have that, you want that management to have that confidence in you. Everybody wants to be a buyer. Nobody wants to be a seller. And then in, uh, in Calgary, I asked Duncan Keith about, you know, waving his no movement clause. I want to win a cup, but I want to win it here. He said, and he had that great quote. He said, he's like, we should be trying to win. We're the Blackhawks, aren't we? Which is a great way of looking at it. This is a team that's supposed to be always trying to win now. Uh, and I asked Corey Crawford the morning of the Calgary game, and he said pretty much the same thing. He said, look, I don't want to get traded. I want to win a fourth cup, and I want to do it here. All these guys really want to go for it now. And they you know, they have no one to blame but themselves for the position they're in right now. It comes down to what you do on the ice. But it is going to be uh, – I mean, if you start selling off Gustafson and, God forbid, you trade Leonard or someone like that or Crawford, uh, this team is going to take that hard. And, you know, they're only human. You know, you, you can't – 
you can't expect them to be robotic and, and, and impassionate about it. It's going to hurt them, and they're going to see, oh, my God, we're not doing anything for the foreseeable future. We're, we're still in this kind of, like, you know, uh, the subtle, you know, sneaky rebuild here, the shadow rebuild, and, and, it's, we're, and we're going to start losing hope. We're in the primes of our careers. Keith, uh, Kane and Taser still feel like they're in the primes of their careers, and these years are being wasted. They want to see you do it now, but if you're Stan Bowman, the responsible thing probably isn't to go for it now. It's a really tough position. Everyone, everyone, I mean, the comments in your story today and the comments in my Q&A with him yesterday are just brutal. I mean, the fans, at least a, a, a vocal minority at the very least, are, are fed up and they want him gone. But he's in an, a, almost an untenable position. What do you do if you're Stan Bowman? There's, there's nowhere to go. Yeah, and you know, part of it, it you know, it's, it's on the players now. They're not winning, but it's also, it's not like Stan Bowman's helped them. You know, they're they're without oh, Shaw, and they're without Seabrook and Dehan, and, and you can argue that some of those pieces have been, you know, addition by subtraction. But ultimately, you had this cap space, and you've had it for a while. And and Patrick came brought it up. You know, I think when I asked about the, the you know deadline stuff about two or three weeks ago, and you know, he he he, he wasn't. You know, they're all pretty political about it and don't want to ruffle any feathers but he also mentioned that he's like you know the only trade that we've really made this season was the Perlini trade in that in that brought back uh um you know a prospect piece so it's not like it's not like Bowman's gone out and really helped this team and and they've had the you know the cap space to tap into and again um the logical thing probably is to take a step back and you rebuild and you know I, I listened to John McDonough on um on the hockey show on ESPN you know last Saturday and uh, it, it was a different tone than what I think we've heard when we last spoke to him it was pretty much, I think, the offseason, which was, you know, let's get in the playoffs. And that's the most important thing. Once you get in, uh, anything can happen. And and even from what, you know, Stan Bowman said, too, they both are. It seems like the message has changed to more like, let's let's get back to the point where we're a championship contender. Um, and there seems to be not so much, a, you know, a foot on the pedal. And it, it's sort of this larger, larger picture and 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 you know McDonough kind of pushed that point too where you know you know they're, they're still saying they want to win now and all these things but they, they've certainly backed up off the message that it's it's all about winning now and it seems like they're they're probably in the proper stage of where you would be in a rebuild um but it's coming in you know what people are probably looking is the year three or three year four of the rebuild where the Blackhawks are all of a sudden talking like it's year one so it, it seems like the message has changed and the whole picture has changed a little bit uh, which is sort of strange because the Blackhawks went out this summer and, and got pieces that were supposed to help them win now. And when that failed, um, it, it seems like they've changed the message a little bit where it's it's more about the bigger picture, about Doc and Boquist and, and, and becoming that contender again where you're not just limping into the playoffs and hoping for the best, but um, being one of the top teams during the regular season and continuing that on. So I feel like that's changed over the course of the season, and certainly different than what we, what we heard at the start of it. Yeah, when I, when I was when I sat down with Stan, I, I had a, a bunch of questions prepared in my head, and at the, uh, one of them that I didn't have prepared just kind of kind of came blurting out of me. I said, "Don't you miss the days when you could just go out there and every year, every year around this time, just go nuts and go for it and go mortgage whatever you had a mortgage to win that season? Don't you miss those days?" And he was like, yeah, it's more fun doing that. But eventually those chickens come home to roost. Eventually you pay the price. And he said, we're paying the price for that now. And that's really the first time I can remember him kind of openly admitting that there is a price to pay for all that championship success. That there is, you know, an inevitable downturn because of that. Because all of a sudden the cupboard's pretty bare. And you don't have all the prospects that you would have had if you didn't trade a first-round pick for Antoine Vermet. If you didn't make the the Dale Weist kind of trades and, and uh, the Andrew Ladd trade and all these trades that they made that they gave up assets for 
uh, those guys would be on the Blackhawks right now in theory. A lot of those picks maybe would have panned out. A lot of those prospects would be in the league right now with them, and the team would look a lot different. But at the same time, who's going to say that they shouldn't have made that Vermette trade? It was a great trade. They won a Stanley Cup that year, and Vermette played a big role in it. Even the Andrew Ladd trade didn't work out, but everybody at the time was like, yeah, you got to keep going for it. This is your window. You know, if they, had, if they had won that series in 2016 against the Blues, they played a good series against a good team, went Game 7, uh, a one-goal game, they could have won the Cup that year. That was still a very good team, so you have to go for it. But this is the price you pay. And uh, it, it, there seems to be a little bit more acknowledgement from management that, hey, you know what? We shot our shot, and here we are now, and now we have to play things differently if we want to get back to that point because it's just, you know, we're paying the price. I, I agree with that, and I, and I do think all those cups have a, have a price. I, I also think there was an opportunity to make this easier on themselves. You know, like you... Oh, mistakes were made. <laughs> yeah, like you drafted well. You signed out of Europe well. Um, they've done a lot of good things, and then somehow... Just it failed to, to, to follow him up, and you signed Panarin and traded him, and you signed uh, Cahoon, and even now Leonard. I mean, the fact that Leonard is even being talked about being shot, it, it seems uh, you have one of the top five goalies in the last five years, and you may not be able to afford him. And the fact that you traded Tara Vinen, and, and, and certainly we, we've rehashed this many times, but it, it's partly because of those trades and trading those draft picks. It's all, but it's also been cat mismanagement and spend not you know probably handling your own assets so like i i feel like it's both ways where i certainly feel for the blackhawks because they were so aggressive and you and they want to win cups and they won cups because of that but i've also seen parts of it where it's been mishandled and where i think this could have been better off you know you gave out some bad contracts you even had a lot of i mean you had almost 20 million dollars in cap space last summer um and you know you got a bunch of injury prone guys yeah, and you they got, got Mata and Dahan, and uh, you know, like you got both those guys. It probably didn't make sense. You added Shaw at the end, and and Shaw's contract, and by adding, you know, I wrote about it today. It was about about the cap space, and they don't have a lot of cap space this summer because they added so many pieces with term last summer. And I don't know if that was necessary. And so the fact that they're trying to spin this a little bit, where this team was was supposed to be a contender, this team was supposed to be good. You know, Nylander was supposed to be a key piece, and some pieces of some players have certainly underperformed, like Gustafson and Debrinkit, um haven't been what they expected from last season. But other guys that haven't performed as as they have, and you've, you've had injuries and all these things. But this team was supposed to be better than it is. So um, I I. I do think what some of what Stan is saying is true, but I also think there's some spin on it because I do think he and the organization's at fault for where they're at as well. Oh, there's always spin. That's 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 there's always spin. I, I think it's I think it's a combination of the two. I think you know the, the, he's correct in that you know you do sacrifice some assets and you are going to pay for it down the road when you go for it so many years in a row, but. I think it doesn't make it impossible to win. You look at Boston, you look at Pittsburgh. What it does is it narrows your margin for error so that when you trade a Yoki Haru for a Nylander or when you sign a, a, a Mata and a, or you go out and get a Mata and a Dahan and maybe you start getting these redundancies, that you don't have that wiggle room where all of a sudden any mistake becomes bigger and they make a few mistakes and it's almost apocalyptic and you miss the playoffs. Uh, I think that's it's a combination of mismanagement and going forward over the years. I mean, Bowman deserves a lot of credit for the 2013 and 2015 Cups, and he deserves a lot of blame for what's happening now. It, 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 there's good and bad to this. You know, no GM is perfect, and, you know, Stan's got as many hits as he's got misses right now, but right now the misses are the ones that are piling up. That's the long-term and, effect. And for sure. And, and the fact that, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs this year, it's three years without a playoffs and five years without a series, you know, 
I think all those things start to add up a little bit where uh, what you did in 15 just gets further away from you. So I, I still think as much as the big picture is important, I think making the playoffs is still, I think that would have been my focus because I think you need to rest your head on something and saying there's there's improvement because regardless of how Doc and Boquist and sure, certainly the arrow's pointing up for some players, it's these guys, some of these guys are going to get older and some of this is going to get harder. And, and you know, I wrote about in the cap piece too, it's some of these players are harder to retain and it, it's going to be difficult to manage the cap. And especially when you look at, you know, other contracts coming up and, um, you know, to even to trade Saad now, like you, you, if you traded someone like Saad at the deadline, uh, you're trading Saad so you can maybe pay Kubalik or, or, or Strom or Leonard, and it's 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 hard to argue that next year's team is going to be any better. Where you certainly have the question marks of uh, you know how Dahan and Seabrook those guys come back, whether Shaw comes back at all, and then you uh, you know Callum Delia in in and those guys look like they're good, but this is this is a pretty good tandem you got right now. So I, I think in some areas. Um, I think it's difficult to argue the Blackhawks can be better if you return a lot of the similar players and just hoping for progressions out of the, some of the younger guys. Yeah, and, and and another factor to consider now is we're starting to see finally a little bit of movement here on, on the trade front, and prices are higher than I expected. I was expecting it to be a pretty tepid market. You know, we talked about Gustafson last year. We're like, well, next year he'll get a first-rounder for sure. Ryan Hartman got a first-rounder. It didn't look like that was going to happen, but Blake Coleman got a first-rounder and a prospect. Andy Green got a second-rounder. I mean... Jason Zucker got a conditional first rounder. First rounders are being dealt around now. And if you can start looking at these guys and say, well, maybe we can get a first rounder or two or recoup some of the second rounders that they've lost. They don't have a second rounder this year. If you can get two second rounders for Gustafson, you might have to consider that. It, it, may, it, might, it might be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the few people who's, I, I think Gustafson's a valuable player. I know people are down on him because of his defense, but you need guys like him that can produce. And in, in, in the right role, if he's not playing 22 minutes a night, he's going to be a very effective player for you. But if you can get two second rounders for him, if you can get a first for him, you have to consider that now. It would be negligent to not do that at this point because this team is not winning the Stanley Cup this year. I mean, they need, everyone wants to see them make the playoffs, and I get that. And once you're in, and the Western Conference is not that intimidating, who knows what could happen? I get it with the goaltending and everything. But uh, they, they keep proving that they don't, that they can't make it. It's always two steps forward, one step back, or one step forward, two steps back. Like you said, a trip like this, this trip, you could have made serious headway. They could be in a playoff spot right now if they just played a little bit better. But they never seem to play that little bit better that they need. So I don't know how you reward this team. You want to reward this team. You want to reward those veterans. You want to give them something to play for. But at the same time, you got to think about the future. You got Doc and Boquist and, you know, Debrinkit and maybe Strom and, you know, all these guys that you need to build around for the future. Uh, it might be time to start looking longer term. Yeah. And I guess, I guess that's the question, too, because there's, there's the present and then there's the short term, too, right? And then there's the long term because two second round picks aren't going to help you in the Caves and Tane, you know, Kane and Taves era. Um, I guess for those guys, where are they? Where's where's their heads at? You know, like if if the Blackhawks become sellers and um, you start acquiring assets for, you know, you're looking down the road for Doc and Boquist in three four years. Um, I begin to wonder what this team looks like in the next couple of years too. You know, like it, it's 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 such a balancing act because I do think this organization is still going to be evaluated a lot by how many cups you know this this core wins. You know, like it's. Um, 
yeah, it just, you know, these guys are here for whatever, three more years and their contracts. And I'm sure the Blackhawks would like some of these guys to retire. And But they're also not the type that I don't think they just want to sit around and wait for the next group to be ready or this team to be ready to win another cup too. So I'm curious how these next few years play out if the Blackhawks are looking more uh, further down the road than they are in the short term because because um, right now Kane and Taves are both playing at a pretty high level, you know, like it's uh, Keith's still playing at a high level and that's going to get harder as they get further in their 30s. And, uh, you know, they're, they're showing not many signs of, you know, wear and tear now, but it just uh, it begins to fall off as you get, you know, closer to 35 and, um, you know, for Duncan Keith getting closer to 40. So it's uh, it, it's such a balancing act of where the Blackhawks want to have success and what's what's realistic too. Like if it's, if you start trading Gustafson for second round picks and you're looking for first round picks, I mean most guys aren't like Kirby Doc and and you know jump right to the NHL. You're, you're talking you know two three four years out, so it, it definitely puts the organization in a different uh, different timeline. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we talk a lot about how you know everyone always complains about the contracts, but Kane is worth ten point five million. Taves is still very good. He's 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 probably paid more than you know the the analytics suggest he's worth, but he he's not grotesquely overpaid. Keith is still a bargain. He's he may not be what he was, but he's still a top pairing defenseman at five and a half million dollars in, in this league. That's a good deal. The Seabrook deal is a problem, obviously, but he's on LTIR. The problem is all the guys in the middle. They got all these young guys and they got the veterans. It's the it, it's all the miss, it's all the pieces around them. That that the Blackhawks used to be so good about finding, they're the ones that aren't there. You, for every Kubalik you got, you got like five or six fourth liners who are just kind of there. And and that's the biggest problem. And it, I, I mean, you hear us. I mean, we're talking in circles here. Like we're we're talking ourselves in and out of going forward at the deadline or not going forward, rewarding the veterans or not rewarding. And, and we're just talking out of our asses. Imagine this is actually your responsibility as the general manager of the Blackhawks. I mean, this is this is my point is, you know, you can be mad at Stan Bowman and you can want to see change in stewardship. I get all that. But this is, an, this is not an easy position. You put any general manager in that chair and it's going to be really difficult to maneuver your way out of this in a successful way. They, the, the Blackhawks could very well just be one of these middle-of-the-pack teams, maybe get a playoff spot here and there for the next five years the way they're built right now. We don't know. It's not like they're guaranteed to be the, like that Doc and Boquist are going to be the next Kane and, or, or next Taves and Keith. We don't know that yet. So, and, and by the time they, we do know that about them, Kane and Keith and Taves are not going to be Kane and Keith and Taves that we know. So it's really hard to make these windows line up. The contracts are tough to get around. Uh, and it's a difficult salary cap league you're in with a lot of parity. And I don't know what the way out of this is. So uh, I'm a big shruggy emoji right now because I don't know what to tell you about what Stan should do. I, I'm, you know, I, I was, I started, when I did the cap piece, I started building a roster for next year and, um, you're, you're you're putting pieces like Ian Mitchell in, and um, it just it, it's guys that have potential. It just you don't know. Like Boquist and Doc, I don't know. Like I I think Doc can be a really good player, but um, he needs to complete a lot of the plays that he makes. Right? Like you, you hope there's an evolution. Uh, you know, for Hawks fans, they they hope there's an evolution there. And and Boquist, I, I still think Boquist was a little bit over his head this year, and uh, probably could have benefited from staying in Rockford more than this. But some of this was out of necessity and. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess they're, you know, maybe they go out and get another guy from Europe. I mean, that's, that, that's been a pretty good, that's the pretty way. good path for them. You know, I like mean, they, honestly, they, look, look at it. If you had Calvin DeHaan healthy this year, the way he was playing right before he got hurt and you had Andrew Shaw in that middle six kind of being that little versatile guy who can make everything a little better and a little bit uh, more energetic. This is probably a playoff team. I, I hate 
you know, just saying, well, it's an injury. You can't do anything about injuries. But well, the problem is that Shaw wasn't injuries. helping the team, too. Like, it's I, I think the Han was showing some really good hockey. And, and maybe Shaw bounces back. But uh, Shaw's numbers weren't good when he was in the lineup. Like, that that's part of the problem, too. Like, I don't think – like, we saw this team pretty healthy uh, for his birth there. And, and I don't think that was their best hockey. Like, I feel like – we saw better hockey when a lot of those guys left the lineup too. I, I think Dahan was playing pretty well, but um, I, I think the Blackhawks became a better team with Shaw and Seabrook, and um, and, and that's that's sort of the complicated part too. Is that uh, like one you don't know about Shaw's future, but you know Seabrook comes back and what is he? And if he's a healthy scratch again, how does that affect the team? And um, I, I don't know if there's any guarantee this team bringing back as is that it, it's automatically improves. You know, like it's. Uh, it's it's yeah it's, it's such a difficult thing to manage for because I don't think the Blackhawks are going to be. I had a lot of pieces this summer, uh, unless you do find like a European signee or someone takes a step. But you know even in the prospect pipeline right now, you know I, I uh, you know Dylan Secure is tearing it up in the AHL, but you know he hasn't figured out in the NHL. And, we've seen that movie know, before. Yeah, we, we've seen a lot of these guys, and you know Brandon Hagel, and and some of these guys are nice, and I think Kurashev eventually going to be a nice NHL player, but. Um, I don't know if these guys are impact players are going to come in and really affect who you are as a team. So, um, yeah, it's 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 tough to beat Stan Bowman right now and kind of weighing this, and, and you only have one week left. And, you know, let's say the Blackhawks win, win Tuesday's game and all of a sudden, you know, everyone else loses. You're four points within, you know. It's, right. There's a lot more things to weigh here even in this next week. And um, and, and certainly the goalie, the goalie situation is so complicated too where – um, you have your, you know, you have your two two time cup winner and Crawford, and who has a ten team list too, and then you have Leonard, who, um, who, who certainly wants to get paid, and I'm sure they're trying to manage that behind the scenes too to try to figure out what that contract is, and um, yeah, there, there's so many different moving parts to what uh, what this team can be in a week from now, and then certainly affects how they look in the future, so. Um, you know, I'm even fearful now. I, I think we're, we're we're obviously recording this on Monday afternoon, but uh, this comes out Tuesday morning, and it's a whole different uh, whole different picture than we're talking about. God, every story you write these days, you always wonder: is this going to be obsolete by the time it posts? <laughs> um, yeah, I did. Like, speaking of that, I, 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 the the interesting thing about some of these guys is they don't want to be treated like. The, the the it's not just the platitudes. I mean, you talk to these guys on and off the record, and you get the sense that they kind of like this group they have. There's a real, this is a really close knit team that genuinely enjoys playing with each other and thinks they can be something special. Whether they're delusional or not is a separate discussion. But these guys want to be here. Robin Leonard doesn't want to go to another team again next year. He doesn't want to get traded this year. He wants to see it out in Chicago. He likes it here. Uh, I talked to Eric Gustafson. I haven't written this yet, which is really dicey uh, trade deadline time. I talked to him uh, after the practice in Calgary last week. Um, he was talking to me, he's like, he's like, maybe he's like, I, I'm like, this is your big chance. This is your big contract. Like you're 28, 27 years old. This is going to be your big contract. He's like, yeah, but you know, my family likes it in Chicago. I love it in Chicago. You know, maybe I'm willing to take something more minimal just to stay here. You know, he's openly talking about that on the record about, you know, we've heard teams talk. We, I remember Brandon Saad talking about that the, a week before he got traded. So you never know, but, uh, Duncan Keith doesn't want to get traded. Corey Crawford doesn't want to go somewhere else next year. It's the only team he's ever known. Both those guys, they want to see it come together and make it work. Um, they don't make these decisions, obviously, but you, you almost have to factor that in. As they, they, the team seems to believe in this team more so than you'd expect when you're around them every day, especially on this trip. Like you would have thought this trip would have been like the 2012 nine game losing streak where they were just miserable the whole time. But it's not like that. They're frustrated. They're pissed at themselves for squandering opportunities. But they really believe in what they're doing, and they think they're going to come through this, and they think they're going to put a bunch of wins together, and they think they're going to make the playoffs. They really think that. And it's not just 
putting on a brave front. Like you, you can tell the difference between when players are bullshitting you and when they're not. And they're not bullshitting. They really do believe in this team. Um, it, it's just a matter of whether Stan Bowman does and whether it's realistic to. How much do you think a Debrinket season's affected where this team's at? Like I, you're talking about 20 goals or so that they probably penciled in him to being you know, 25, 30 goal scorer, and, and, and certainly Gustafson too. And, and those guys, uh, you know, the Brinkett's numbers on the power play aren't that bad, but certainly Gustafson's are down. And, you know, you wrote about on the trip, but the power play has been so uh, essential. You know, like you, you thought that was a key, you know, such a key piece of them winning and it, it hasn't been there. And I just wonder too, you know, if the Brinkett's a 30 goal scorer this year, like how much, how much different is this team yeah. now? I mean, how many one-goal games have they lost? How many third-period leads have they blown? How many second-period leads have they blown? If Debrinket's playing a little bit more, if you know, uh, if, if if the puck's going, if the first two months of the year the puck was going in for Taves the way it has been the last couple of months, uh, if Dahan were here, if Shaw were here and playing better, there's a million ifs you could play with. But yeah, the Debrinket one's huge because, like you said, it affects not just five-on-five play. His power play goals are actually about the same pace as last year. Uh, but the power play as a whole is a disaster. They've had like four power play goals in the last forty something chances. It's terrible, and half the time they can't even get it set up. Uh, bringing Dominic Kubalik to the top unit and moving Kane to his offside, it, it kind of enlivened it a little bit, but it's still not there. Um, it's just in total disarray. And uh, you know they have the goaltending and they have all these high end talents. You'd think the power play would be a difference maker for them, and it was last year, and it's just been abysmal this year, just totally abysmal. And you know I wrote about it last week. Is you know, it used to be kind of funny, like, you know, it would win the cup, like, yeah, they have no power play, but they're good at everything else. Well, now they need the power play because they're not that good at everything else. If they had a, a, a middling power play, if they were a middle-of-the-pack power play, they'd be in a playoff spot right now. If Alistair Brinkett had 10 more goals right now, they'd be in a playoff spot right now. There's a lot of factors you can look at and say that's the deciding factor. But, you know, the Brinkett one is as big as any, and, you know, he's trying to shoot his way out of that slump, but he's... Maybe that goal in uh, in Calgary or uh, will, will will loosen them up a little bit, but it's it's been a rough rough season for him. Uh, that Calgary, it seemed like it was going to open up everyone up. I mean, it was just Nylander yeah. finally got going, and and then the Winnipeg game comes to, and you know the Winnipeg game even it's it, it Kane makes a great play to Carpenter, and and Taves sets up Kane, and uh, I feel like their top players are playing like their top players. Like it's not on them what's happening, you know. Um, I, I thought it was a little bit strange to put Sealer in the lineup. I, I think I get why. It's just you're still putting a guy who's barely played any NHL hockey this year and who's probably a borderline NHL player. I mean, certainly in the Minnesota Wild didn't see him as a consistent guy. And um, I get why they picked him up. That You know, you, you want to send Gilbert to, to Rockford and get him some playing time. But it just it seems like you throw this guy into the playoff mix and into a key game and uh, you know, it's not completely his fault they they lose that Winnipeg game, but he he wasn't good and his, his underlying numbers were really bad and it just it, it seems strange to throw him in the mix and you, all of a sudden you're counting on a guy to step up and play this key role in in, in a key game and um, yeah I don't know I just I I feel like the Blackhawks they shoot themselves in the foot a lot yeah there's well, some well, of those Bo- has clearly been struggling and on the trip he there were a lot of goals where he was lackadaisical defensively and causing problems I get that. But we're past the point in the season where you can be making these kind of statement scratches. You need to put your best players out there. And Adam Boquist is a better hockey player than Nick Sealer. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you're past the point where you can be making these kinds of decisions. You have to field your best lineup. And anytime you do anything that, that, that doesn't do that, you, it, it, it's a mistake. And I thought that was a mistake, and it proved to be one. Yeah, no, I agree. 
Um, who do they got? To, I don't even know who they played Tuesday. Uh, that's a good question. I've been focused so much on this trip. <laughs> Is the Rangers in town or something? I can't even remember. I guess probably have this. Nashville's in town later in the week, right? That's a big one. Nashville's playing really well too. Everyone yeah. kind of expected that. Yeah, to Rangers and then uh, Nashville. Hey, I was right. Friday. Yep. Um, and then you yeah, got another the four-game road trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy. Then, I mean, there's what three games until the deadline, so. Yeah, I mean, you got you got two home games against the Rangers, who are playing better, and you've got Panarin and everything, and Nashville, who's playing very well in a big game. And you got Dallas and St. Louis on the road. That's not easy. Then you go to Tampa, who's just unbelievable right now. And then you got Florida, which is going to be another emotional game against Joel Quenville. Uh, and by the time you get to that Anaheim-Edmonton-Detroit uh, sequence, which might be a little – and then San Jose-Ottawa after that, uh, you might be out of it by then if you don't pull something together and go on a little bit of a run here. They really need to do that because – they're running out of time. The season ends early this year. April 4th is the season finale. So they, they got to get moving. It's coming. I mean, it's 23 games. I feel like the Nashville games, I mean, all these games are huge, but Nashville's playing well. Nashville's had their number all year. It's a team that, you know, if, if Nashville beats the Hawks, they, they create some pretty good separation there. And, um, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, every game's a lot riding on it. But against these teams that are ahead of you are so key. And uh, It's really going to come yeah. down to what the other teams do. I mean, they need other teams to go cold. They, they need help. They can't do yeah. it on their own. They're not going to win enough games to do this on their own. They're going to need other teams to falter. Yep. Um, anything uh, exciting we should be expecting this week? Uh, well, uh, this is coming out Tuesday morning, so my story on Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford is live. Um, I... I took a chance and decided to write something that wasn't about the trade deadline um, and try to <laughs> sneak a feature in there that I, especially considering one of them might get traded soon. Um, Everyone so hopefully, uh, please read it. It's uh, I, I found that interesting. It was fun to talk to the, I, I don't write about goaltending very often because goaltending is weird and confusing and scary, but um, <laughs> even to the layman's eyes uh, there, you can't have two more different goalies than Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard, but they basically arrive at the same results. So I wrote about how they got to that point. Any uh, any highlights of the trip off the ice for you? I ate a lot of goulash in Edmonton at uh, Bistro Praha, which is my favorite nice. restaurant in the NHL. Um, I think I spent it felt like I spent about a week and a half in Calgary. I was there forever. <laughs> um, no, it was a good trip. Everything was fine. The weather was better in uh, Western Canada than it was in Chicago. So uh, I was yeah, at, at the same cold. trip two years ago, and it was uh, minus forty four uh, Fahrenheit, and this was better. It was, it was like fifty <laughs> degrees out. <laughs> Okay. I uh, I went out to Rockford today, so I'm going to write about uh, my experience out in Rockford on Wednesday. And um, speaking of injuries, man, the season they've had. Yeah, they're actually they're they're starting to get healthy. Yeah, Kershaw's almost back. Vadine's almost back. They're uh, getting Chris back, and uh, Lonkinen just got hurt, but it didn't sound too bad. So um, yeah, they're uh, they're finally getting healthy, and they're uh, they're they're sort of in the playoff mix too, where they had an awful January because of injuries and call ups, and uh, kind of weathered the storm and. Um, so yeah, it was interesting talking to Derek King about it today and just, uh, he's, you know, he said, it's great to be healthy, but all of a sudden you got to find all these spots for these new guys. And, um, you know, it's always kind of that roster juggle in Rockford, but, uh, yeah, I talked to Dealey and Secure and some guys, so I will, uh, I'll write some of that for Wednesday and, uh, kind of space it out a little bit, but, um, and then we'll have game coverage and, uh, yeah, probably some more deadline. I'm sure some deadline stories come yeah, up. Yeah. Something will go down. I'll be very surprised if absolutely nothing goes down like yeah. last year. I'd be very surprised. Uh, and eventually we will see each other in person. So, uh, maybe Wednesday. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Um, good. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, uh, until next time when things might be very, very different or we might be having this exact <laughs> same conversation. Who knows? Uh, the deadline is next Monday, so we'll do. We'll obviously do the podcast after the deadline passes. It would be pretty silly to do it beforehand. So uh, you'll probably hear us next time Tuesday morning. Sounds good. I am Scott Powers. I'm Mark Lazarus. Till next time. Won't you let me try?